Thank you for joining the Talk Wellness podcast filled with conversations that fuel your well-being. Namaste Wellness Tribe. My name is Anjan. I'm a practical yogi, a meditation guide and a relaxation coach. I use ancient concepts from tantra and yoga to help people find deep meaning in their lives by exploring different aspects of well-being. My invitation to you is for you to enjoy the uncommon opinions, the truth bombs and the perspectives that are going to surface through this show and talk about these opinions with your friends, with your family, with your circles. And that's why we chose the simple name Talk Wellness. We need your support to get the conversation around well-being to be a more prominent one, to move beyond stigma and indoctrination and to help the world find peace from deep within. You are as much of a contributor as any of the guests, so please do share this episode with all your circles. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Find out how to have a healthy, balanced life. Have a healthy body through exercise, nutrition, and engage the world through learning, problem-solving, and creativity. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode is powered by Soma Vedic. Soma Vedic brings the positive elements of nature to your home. You no longer have to wait to go to nature to escape the ill effects of electrosmog and to recharge. Soma Vedic is equipped with precious stones that use their energy to enhance your sleep quality. It also helps to restructure water molecules which can reduce the amount of free radicals in your body. Book a free consultation for your home with our experts. Email to info at prc-tec.com. Visit somavedic.ae. Somavedic. Feel better. Live better. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Talk Wellness. With Anjan. On today's show, I have an exceptional guest. She's a transpersonal psychologist, managing partner of one of the leading osteopathic health clinics here in Dubai. And a large part of her life is devoted to raising consciousness. She's been in Dubai for 45 years now. And she's been pioneering fitness, health awareness and wellness in this region for so long, since 1980 almost. And it's my privilege to have Nargis Raza on air with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. Let's start with your journey. Wow, 45 years pioneering wellness and being one of the first people in this region to have this conversation. I mean, Talk Wellness is a show that wants to make this conversation more mainstream and wants more people to talk about wellness. That's why it's called Talk Wellness. Right. But you've been doing this since 1980. Wow, let's talk about that. So, I it actually started as a personal journey. I came to Dubai in 1975 and uh, in 1980 I decided I needed to get fit. I had had three children by then and uh, I wanted to improve my fitness. I come from very fit parents. And so I just started exercising on my own often to music and a group of women would gather together and Sweet. really it was quite simple that's how it started. There was a place called Al Nasr Leisure Land. and uh, we used to congregate there and uh, turn on the music and get fit um it was a very simple beginning um and but then i went and trained in the uk uh, it was quite new in dubai at the mo- at that time there wasn't a whole lot of fitness stuff going on i'd assume so that there was nothing actually and uh, so 
I went to the UK to study more about the correct ways to do it because I, I was aware of the fact that my knowledge was limited. And uh, it was just at the time when fitness was becoming regulated in the UK, where the regulators there were wanted uh, safety in fitness. There was the Jane Fonda movement and a lot yes. of people were getting uh, injured. And so there was this movement towards that. So I trained uh, and got the approval from the RSA then, which was the body that approved the fitness levels. And I brought it here and started training fitness instructors. <clears throat> so that's a long, long time ago. Wow, what that's a journey. That's no longer part of Tell my life. Tell us about your journey into transpersonal psychology, though. So that has always been in the background of my life. I've always been drawn towards psychology and understanding more about uh, human nature. But I've also been very drawn to spirituality and uh, transpersonal psychology merges the two. Yes. It includes the spiritual perspective, which really spoke to me. Which sometimes maybe Freud and Jungian psychology missed out. Exactly. So essentially the term transpersonal means beyond personal. Sure. Beyond personal means beyond your personal identity, well, ego. How did it happen for you? Why did you decide to get into it? I know you said you were drawn to it from a young age. When did you decide, I want to be a transpersonal psychologist? Well, I didn't. <laughs> it was purely out of interest and passion that I kept uh, attending courses and studying and then eventually... Uh, decided to do a degree because it became available. So the first, uh, I had four children by then, so I couldn't really go to the UK or the States to study. I did do my first transpersonal education from uh, the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology in California, Palo Alto. Uh, and then, but then my children were very young, so I decided I would pursue it again when they were older, which I did. Uh, and I did a master's degree in transpersonal consciousness and transpersonal psychology from Liverpool's John Moores University in the UK. But in the interim period, I was teaching workshops and trying to do what I could over here to raise awareness towards living consciously. Beautiful. And today's talk, you've titled it as Where Does Criticism Come From? Yes. And I think learning how to handle criticism is one of the most important parts of conscious living. So why have you chosen this topic? Well, I saw it as a doorway in. Um, you had mentioned that a lot of people are talking consciousness. and I've, I see my journey as being about raising consciousness. And so I thought, well, this is the doorway into the conversation to talk about criticism because, you know, we're exposed to criticism from a very young age. Sure. And we learn it almost <laughs> osmotically. We absorb it from our society, from our culture, um, family, inadvertently, uh, Speaking about others or discussing others may be criticizing, may be judgmental, unconsciously. And then, for me, the, the point that is so important and so sad and relevant is that sometimes we internalize the critic and we become 
the critic. Mm. We become our own worst critic. That's right. So our parents might have lovingly, with the best of intentions, said, God, look at your handwriting. Or, ah, you can't paint. Or, you'll never be able to run. You're not sporty. Or, you're fat. Or whatever. And we internalize that message because they are our you know, main point of uh, reference, right? Now, I've interviewed so many psychologists on this show, and I find that every single psychologist, whether holistic or transpersonal or traditional, is talking about this, the fact that you have this inner child wound or some kind of a trauma from the time you're a child where messages given to you when you were a child is now affecting your behavior as an adult. And if it is such common knowledge and so many people have been affected, uh, shouldn't everybody be working on it? And why aren't they? Very good question. Um, that's an excellent question, actually, because it leads me into what I was going to talk about. So my my feeling is that, you know, you understand things. So you might have read a really fantastic book about childhood trauma or childhood wounds. You might have read many books. Other people may have. But reading a book is not necessarily the whole journey, right? You've got to put it into action. You, you have to put it into action. So, for example, I might know how to run a marathon and I might know how to train for a marathon and the food I need to eat and the stretches and all the training, but I can't run a marathon because I haven't gone out and done that day-by-day day increment of running. So I feel um, that... it. That, there's a, there's a huge misconception um, that, you know, there's so many self-help books and there's so many great YouTube um, videos, uh, self-help uh, programs talking about working on childhood stuff. Talk wellness with Anjan. So there's a quotation from Jung that everything that irritates us about others can lead us to an understanding of ourselves. So if we were to use uh, criticism, our issues with criticism, being criticized, but our own tendencies towards criticizing others, we can understand ourselves better. So if if there's something that you criticize in another person, you're critical of them, say, for example, procrastinating, uh, or you feel that they... uh, they're untidy or they're chaotic. The question to ask yourself is, well, is that something about you that you don't like? Is that something about you that you have disowned or that has been judged in the past and you have not been allowed to have? I want to ask you at this moment, what is the psychological understanding of constructive criticism or criticism that comes with consent, which means you're giving somebody the permission to criticize you, like a teacher or a mentor or a guru? Well, that's very uh, helpful, always. And, you know, there's a, there's a great book, um, a recent publication called Mindset by uh, Dr. Carolyn Dweck. And she talks about a growth mindset and a fixed mindset. Now, typically, people with a fixed mindset have been uh, either praised overtly as young people. Oh, you're great. You're fantastic. You're the best athlete. Uh, You're such a talented artist, you know, too too much so, uh, that they, it almost becomes an inhibiting factor in Mm. their life. They're unable to grow anymore. They're scared to try. So they won't 
necessarily venture out of their comfort zone. So again, you're saying it rounds back to childhood. It, it can do. It could be even in young adulthood. And in her book, she says it's much better to adopt a growth mindset where you have realistic expectations. Uh, so using the marathon example, I would know I can't run a marathon. That's right. Um, and I probably will be aching and it's probably going to take me a year to train. And so I, if I do get sore, I'll have expected it. I, and if I do make mistakes, there's room in my psyche for the mistake. And what you're saying really resonates because I find many people nowadays have this Dunning-Kruger syndrome, uh, the idea that they can do something when they know deep inside they don't have the skills, but exactly. they somehow have this belief and feeling, no, I can do it. And I'm like, but you don't have the skills. Exactly. And so, you know, rather than to set yourself up uh, for a situation where you're so afraid of failure that you're not even going to try to have a growth mindset where you know that, well, I will do the best I can do. And it may not be fantastic, but it'll be my best. That's right. And then to learn. So given that, if I were to ask you after this program, what could I learn uh, to do to improve my presentation skills? And you would honestly tell me I'd work on that. Because that's criticism or kind of feedback with consent. Exactly. And it also, it comes, there's so many factors here. In the yogic ideology, whenever criticism is given or feedback is given without consent, we consider that a form of passive aggression. What are your thoughts on this? It can be, especially if the person delivering it, their intention is not clear or they themselves are wounded. So jealousy or envy comes into their criticism. Uh, you know, there's so much stuff that goes on in the psyche that we are unconscious about. And that's why I love transpersonal psychology, because it invites you to look at the unconscious aspects of the psyche and to bring into consciousness even those things that might be Hidden. uncomfortable for you. Beautiful. It seems so similar to what the yogic ideologies teach, because even my teacher used to say, unless somebody gives you explicit permission to criticize them, you have no right in giving your opinion to them. And unless they ask for help, who are you to help them? Because then the help won't even be seen as something helpful. It'll be seen as something intrusive. Well, it's your opinion in the end. And unless you're asked for your opinion, you know. Exactly. But some people feel very happy giving their opinion. <laughs> Un, uh, unsolicited. Even if it's unsolicited. So, yeah. So let's get a bit more into transpersonal psychology. I yes. know you had some notes about uh, identity and what actually brings out trans psychology. Mm. So for me, in my personal experience, in my experience with uh, patients as well, what I have seen is that the sense of identity, it's, it's a constantly evolving thing. You know, so when you're a baby, you're a baby. When you're a child, you, your identity is very tied up with your parents and your siblings and your country and your school and your friends and then you get into teenage years and then you start wanting to find out who you are. So you push aside parents and you push aside things that you're so glued to. You want to discover. So what does transpersonal psychology say about all these accumulated identities? So in the transpersonal exploration, I feel that somewhere between the age of 30, 35, people start questioning 
who they are. You know, they've now, they've got the degree, they're working, they're professionals, they might even be married and have children. One day they wake up and say, well, okay, I have all of this, but is this it? Yeah. Uh, Is this what I'm meant to be doing? Is this my life? And that to me is a transpersonal question. Beautiful. Because that's when the potential to see beyond. So what else is there or not? Or to stay confined in? No, I'm a banker. My father was a banker. I will be a banker. My son will be a banker. I'm not questioning this. This is troublesome. This is beautiful because in yoga, we have a concept of vairagya, which means detached attachment or inert attachment. And as somebody who practices yoga, we're all encouraged to practice vairagya even with our identities so i might be podcast host radio show host youtuber but these are just identities a garb i'm putting on uh, exactly i'm putting on for the purpose of this activity and to have that dispassionate attachment to this activity is key uh, to not destroying the equilibrium which i've built exactly and and you put it very well. I mean, you know, it's like stripping off layers. So when mm. you leave the studio and you go home, that identity will be put aside and you, your essence, will be left behind. Or another identity comes or, up depending on the role exactly. I have at home. Exactly. Beautiful. And how does transpersonal psychology deal with this when people get into certain type of chaotic situations in their mind because they have maybe mixed identities or have syndromes like schizophrenia or multiple identity syndrome. I don't like calling it disorder. So so those are pathologies and uh, something like schizophrenia would have to be dealt with medicinally and then possibly with a combination of talk therapy because uh, those are not uh, just psychological issues. They're also chemical imbalances in the brain. Um, Remind me to share with you... um, a bunch of peer-reviewed papers about the uh, myth of chemical imbalances being debunked. So I'm not a psychologist, so I'm neither for or against Mm. it, but I came across these really interesting academic peer-reviewed papers talking about how the myth of mm, medicines for so-called chemically-induced problems of the brain was um, pushed by the pharma companies and the big pharma industry just to sell more Mm. brain medicines. And for me, in a way, it resonates because from my childhood, I always felt meditation is the best medication. I absolutely agree with you. And uh, I work mostly with using awareness and uh, meditation and mindfulness. However, there have been some cases where the situation, the patient couldn't calm down enough, uh, settle down enough to Mm. even become uh, centered enough to watch their breathing. There was something else going on. Mm. And in cases like that, very rarely people need medication. But I do find that in today's modern world, people are put on medication much too quickly and unnecessarily in my you know, from what I can see, um, I think there are other modalities. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode is powered by Soma Vedic, designed to keep your body in a natural environment, boosting regeneration and self-healing. Book a free consultation. Email info at prc-tec.com and visit somavedic.ae. Talk Wellness with Anjan.
future. What is the transpersonal psychological perspective on the purpose of life? Because we spoke about how people might have what the world calls a midlife crisis, right? This questioning of the identity and the questioning of who am I and is this all I'm going to do in my life? And this then boils down, I'm assuming, to something we call purpose. Exactly. I think we all come to a place in our life where we start to question those things. And people of my generation didn't dare question it because you had a profession and you were expected to stick with it. Why is that? Why do you think that happened? Is it because of the industrial revolution and the you have to soldier on, you have to just work like a yes. factory worker kind of a mindset? Well, I think the jobs and the education and you, you just got your degree and you worked it and that's what you did. Whereas the, There was no questioning of what's more. The younger generations have so many different options and they evolve and they have the potential to evolve. Our generation do as well. But, you know, it's, uh, it's expected today that you might have your initial education in one field and then evolve into something else. So I think to answer your question, the best way to do that would be to tell your story. Yes, I love it. And this is a true story of a woman who in the 1980s was practicing law here in Dubai. She was one of the few female lawyers and she was a commercial lawyer. And I knew her through a group that I ran and she... She was always very, it was amusing because she would be very um, professionally presented. She'd race into the group sessions in her lawyer's garb and her stiletto heels and kick off her heels. And and it was just a a self-awareness group, a, a personal growth group. And it became very clear in the context of this group that she was really unhappy and she couldn't understand why because she was a popular lawyer. She was earning lots of money. She was driving the car that everyone dreamt of. She was living the life. But there was something hollow. Something something missing. Missing. One day she just disappeared. She, you know, we, we had done a meditation session towards the end of that last session and she was in she, you know, she was very emotional. She was very upset. And after that, she didn't come back. And I thought, well, maybe she was just embarrassed because she had an emo- emotional meltdown. And about a year later at the airport, I was at, waiting for my bags on the, you know, carousel. And I saw her and I thought, I know this woman, but maybe I don't know her because she was completely differently dressed. And she ran up to me, gave me a hug, and she said, do you know what happened? I went home that day. Do you remember that day when I was crying? She says, I couldn't stop crying. The next morning, I went and resigned. I signed up to do another course in law. She says, I love law. I love being a lawyer. I'm from a family of lawyers. My dad's a lawyer. My uncle's a lawyer. But I hated doing commercial law, so I studied humanitarian law. Wow. And I met and she introduced me to her then new husband. And uh, she said, and I'm practicing humanitarian law now. And I'm going to be working with refugees and asylum seekers, etc. She was just a completely different person. Her life had purpose. So what's the lesson from the story? So she looked deep inside herself. And That's what Jung's 
work teaches us to do, and that's what the transpersonal invites you to do, is to look beyond the superficial and look within at what resonates with your deep inner truth. And if that feels right, go for it. You know, follow it. Beautiful. And because that is, there's somewhere there is your truth. And a lot of our potential lies in our unconscious. So a lot of your talents, my talents, a lot of our un, um, Manifested talents. unexplored areas of strength lie in our unconscious. So, so let's give everybody listening some practical tips on how they can go within and find this essence of their self. So many people use this word that I'm, I'm a bit uh, wary of using it. But becoming mindful in your life, what does that mean? It doesn't mean sounding, uh, sitting on a mountaintop and, you know, um, uh, meditating. Uh, it, it could be that. But it just means being with what is. Mm. So if you're peeling potatoes, peel potatoes, uh, smell them. <laughs> Not to be peeling potatoes, but thinking about the argument you had with your boss or about the meeting you've got tomorrow, not being partially there, being completely there. If you're showering, you know, smelling the soap, the shampoo, feeling the water, but not necessarily already being in the meeting that you're racing to. Very true. I love this juxtaposition of Eastern wisdom traditions and Jungian transpersonal psychology because even in Tantra we say the same thing when you're swimming in the ocean your body is making like love to the waves when you're walking on the grass your feet are kind of hugging the grass right when the raindrops fall on your skin the raindrops in your skin are having conversations so this is pretty much what you're saying which is being in the moment and being mindful and being present here and now because where else can we be exactly and it's where you are and the sadness is that so many people go to their grave Uh, They reach the end of their life and they realize all the things that they've been involved with were things they're going to leave behind and they haven't connected with their essential self. So the answer for you is if you don't want to leave with regret, then from this moment, and I hope this talk inspires you from this moment, be mindful of every moment and then you can go inside and find what you really want to do. So that's tip number one. Be mindful. What's next? Be mindful, uh, be present in your life and uh, try to get rid of a fixed mindset that stops you from trying new things, that stops you, that inhibits you. Take risks. Um, Be vulnerable. Um, It's okay. I think vulnerability is the human condition. We are vulnerable because neither of us, unless you have a secret, neither of us know how long we have to live. So just essentially, we are vulnerable. Vulnerability is part of the human condition, so embrace it. That's right. And learn to live your life with that vulnerability. Now, as a transpersonal psychologist and a practitioner in a clinic in Dubai, what are the biggest cases you're seeing now, especially peripandemic, post-pandemic? What are the main problems people are having? So one of the things I've noticed very commonly is that, you know, the people who had escape mechanisms, mm. uh, they would go to work and they'd escape a difficult issue in their family. Oh, they don't have that anymore. <laughs> or they could go out for a run and escape a broken relationship or they, they were dealing with pain in their life by escaping. They couldn't do that. 
They have to they, face it now. They were confined to their homes and they were faced with whatever it was that they were escaping from. Uh, some people started uh, t uh, taking, uh, escaping into food or other substances. Binge watching Netflix. Yes, or whatever. But essentially, um, that's what I have observed the most. Mm. And the invitation is to everyone, try to face it. Face the pain when it comes. Face the vulnerability. Face the fear. Look at it. Name it. Yes, I'm afraid of... What is it? Dying? I'm afraid of losing my job. I'm afraid of uh, my child not loving me anymore. I'm afraid of, you know, whatever. So the exact opposite of denial. Yeah, name it. Name it and then find a way to have it. What, 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 are, the, what are the ways then after that you can get rid of it? You never get rid of it. You learn to live with it. Mm. It's a myth that you get rid of it. So we just bust a myth here on Talk Wellness. You never get rid of your fears. You only learn how to live with it. Let's, exactly. let's go deeper into this. Essentially, we are who we are, right? With all of our quirks and our good things and you know all of our faults as well, we are who we are. The difference about awareness is that once you become aware of your tendencies, then and especially the negative and harmful tendencies, then you notice when they're coming up. So you may tell yourself scary stories. You know, you might, you might uh, dramatize it. You know, your boss might come in to the office in a bad mood and you might tell yourself a story, oh, he's going to get rid of me. Definitely, I can see it on his face. He's going to get rid of me. I've lost my job. Oh my God, what am I going to do? And you dramatize it. Instead of doing that, notice, observe, you're feeling anxious. He's a, he looks annoyed. It could be something else. He might have had a fight with his wife or something. You, know, yeah, you don't know. Yeah. Even address it with him. How are you doing? But oh, you're saying in the essence, you can never lose that fear. No, the fear doesn't go. Not really. It, it changes. Mm. So it, fear, terror, anxiety, instead of being ever present, can become the occasional blip on the screen if you work with it. But I don't believe that it goes. One of the yoga teachers I trained with, Anath Yogi, who lives in the mountains, um, he used to say, if you want to get rid of fear... Approach it with logic. Mm. And logic will help you get rid of that fear. What are your thoughts on this? Logic. So the same example with the boss, you just got to logically think, okay, if he fires me, I find another job. Okay, if maybe he's angry with his wife. Like this is logical kind of thinking and not an emotional response to the fear. Mm. He says you approach fear, which is an emotional kind of a um, feeling with logic and the fear goes away. So... Logic is the realm of the intellect, right? But when you feel fear, you're in the realm of the emotions. That's right. They don't live together. Mm. So um, to to deal with an emotional issue with the intellect doesn't always work. True. That That's what his training was all about. Because yes. his form of yoga was about how to merge this mind and body construct uh, or the spirit and the heart or the head and the heart construct and mm. break the division between thinking and feeling and he said you only have one activity and you can call it thinking or feeling or it's both at the same time i think if you bring your feelings into consciousness then you can verbalize them so then yes through language and through writing you can express what you're feeling but the two to deal with an intellectual problem you need 
intellectual solutions to deal with the emotional problems. Your intellect can help you, but you need to work with it differently. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Talk Wellness with Anjan. This episode is powered by Soma Vedic, designed to keep your body in a natural environment, boosting regeneration and self-healing. Book a free consultation. Email info at prc-tec.com and visit somavedic.ae. Talk Wellness with Anjan. Let's talk about some truth bombs that you had prepared for us. So one of the things, one of the myths I'd like to bust, because it comes up so often is that people will say to me well i've i've read this book i've read about meditation i i've read Eckhart Tolle i've read Louise Hay i've read and but i'm still struggling and what i want to say to them and to everyone um that reading is wonderful and do it and do it as much as possible but know that reading is just like turning a torch in a dark forest on it it makes you aware of things but then to do the work is the next step so if you turn on the light in a forest turn on the torch and you shine it and you can see several different pathways you could choose the path that you choose are you going to walk it or are you going to just sit there shining the torch that's right and so so put the action behind what the book tells you otherwise exactly. what's the point of having read the book exactly i think what happens with voracious readers they're searching for that one kind of book especially self help books that will give them okay this is the one i'm going to follow the path and so they become like you know shoppers um almost like spiritual shopping it it can be like that i mean usually the truth you're seeking will resonate with you just like the teacher you need will find you i think this is one of the reasons why i don't read any modern day self help books in fact the only books i really enjoy is either anatomy biology i like history mm-hmm. uh because when i was young i was made to read you know the vedanta the vedas the quran the bible uh, the jataka tales the upanishads tantric texts uh, vajrayana buddhist texts and after having read all that of course when i was a child it was more like oh why am i made to read this but now as i'm older i feel a bit of gratitude that i was mm-hmm. made to read all of those and uh, once you read those truths like the Bhagavad with gita you don't find any other book compares up to it and also you internalize those truths so then they present themselves in your life when it's relevant beautiful and i also believe that you know deep in our consciousness our consciousness is extremely wise mm. perhaps wiser than our years um uh, there's a universality to it yes and so when you do meditate or you do things mindfully there are messages that come up from your consciousness very true, very true. so tapping when, into the collective realm and the exactly. universal realm of knowledge or the knowledge planes so when someone uh, says i read eckhart tolle and it really uh, resonated with me yeah it did because what he speaks is the truth and it's your truth and my truth yes. and it's a universal truth and it resonates with something that somewhere deep inside you already knew beautiful it feels right it feels true it feels authentic speaking about truth you had one more truth bomb you wanted to bust something about imperfection <clears throat> well i i would say embrace it we're all imperfect there's no such thing as perfection death is perfect because it's always the same for everyone pretty much you know uh, all your systems shut down but in terms of 
being imperfect, if you accept the fact that you're imperfect, you're willing to learn. You accept the fact that you will make mistakes and learn from them. It's not a failure. It's good. I love it. I, I ask all my guests this question. What has been your biggest failure and what did you learn from it? Mm. My biggest failure probably was to stop painting when I was in my early 20s. Will you restart? I intend to. And let Talk Wellness be the platform on which you promise that you will. I will. <laughs> when can we see the first one? I don't know. <laughs> so this, this saves me from asking the question, what next? Well, before the painter was the one who loves writing. And at the moment, I'm very involved in writing. Beautiful. So the, what's next after writing would probably be the painting. What is the worst advice you've ever got? The worst advice I've ever got is to stay in a situation that was absolutely intolerable to me. Mm. And the person who gave me the advice gave it to me with the best of intentions, but said, stay there because leaving would be terrible for you. And what's the best advice you ever got? The best advice? Hmm. Step off the precipice. Step off the precipice. I and love it. And trust life and life will catch you. I call this daily routines. Name something you do every single day without fail. Well, I won't say without fail, but I do walk regularly. My husband and I walk Barefoot? together. No. <laughs> we work, walk very early in the morning. I'd like to say I do it every day, but he does. Um, you were yeah. sharing a story about Barefoot when you saw me doing the show Barefoot today. Yes, I've watched a really fantastic documentary. I can't... Uh, I think it's the one of the singers from Talking Heads and he did a fantastic performance and um, all the... He was wearing a suit and he was barefoot. Oh, like me. Suit and, and barefoot. Exactly. And all the performers were wearing suits, but were barefoot. Wow, I love and it. And I think he links that to his uh, Buddhist training in Buddhism. Perhaps I'm going to do an episode on the power of going barefoot. This is something I ask all my guests. I call it pursuit of relaxation. What are your thoughts on happiness? On happiness? Have it while it's there and... Look at the impediments to happiness, the things that stand between you and happiness. Because I don't, I don't perceive happiness as being, you know, um, laughing all the time. It's being content with what is, mm. happy with what is, content. It's good enough. It's comfortable. And I feel blessed with, with that. Beautiful. We have a Sanskrit word for that. It's santosha, contentment. Mm. I ask all my guests this five tips that you have to get rid of stress? Breathing. Breathe. Exhale longer than you inhale. That really helps. Second tip is focus on what you are doing. If you're eating, just eat. And don't give room in your mind to the troublemaker who's creating um, problems in your the mind. monkey mind. Yeah, the monkey mind. Yeah. And um, always do something physical. Physical, movement, okay. Movement, um, movement. And when you are doing movement, whether it's uh, running or swimming or yoga, whatever you're doing, be in it totally. Not for the way it looks, not for the aesthetics, but be in the breathing of it, the feeling of it, everything. Two more. When things get really rough, I would say write it down. Writing. Get Journaling. it out of your head. 
<clears throat> onto the page. Get it out of your heart onto the page so it's not burdensome for you. Beautiful. And the fifth one? And the fifth one, sleep well. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. I call this shipwreck. If you were shipwrecked on an island and you had all your food, clothing, shelter and everything taken care of, what are the two items that you'd want to carry with you? That's a tough one. <laughs> I think I would like to carry the, a copy of the Tao Te Ching with me. The Tao, okay. And that I love that book by Lao Tse. Um, and perhaps a canvas and some paint. Wow, I love it. Uh, I call this Wear Anjan's Footwear. If you could step into my footwear, what is the one question you would have asked yourself that I didn't? I think you asked all the questions oh, there were to thank ask. Thank you. You're so sweet. Uh, before I let you go, I want to ask you about what are the core values of the transpersonal psychology approach? So the core values, I think, are uh, self-realization. So therefore, contentment. Uh, when you realize who you are fully and self-acceptance, then you are in a place of not needing anything else, then you are available to do work in the world, whatever that is, whatever that means. Amazing. Now, before I let you go, uh, your last words to everybody listening. You had something jotted down and you want to share it. Well, I think I've said pretty much everything. But I think that if we are here for a purpose... Uh, perhaps we are here for a purpose. So to maybe reflect on that. And what is that purpose? And that purpose would be beyond buying the next most expensive car or, you know, design a bag or traveling all over the world. Something that when you leave this earth, uh, is you are remembered for. That's beautiful. It was a pleasure having you on the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Nargis Raza. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Did you have fun? I did. It was lovely. Thank you. Talk wellness with Anjan. Wellness is more than just physical health. It's your total well-being. Find out how to have a healthy, balanced life. Have a healthy body through exercise, nutrition, and engage the world through learning, problem-solving, and creativity. Talk wellness with Anjan. This episode is powered by Soma Vedic. Soma Vedic brings the positive elements of nature to your home. You no longer have to wait to go to nature to escape the ill effects of electrosmog and to recharge. Soma Vedic is equipped with precious stones that use their energy to enhance your sleep quality. It also helps to restructure water molecules which can reduce the amount of free radicals in your body. Book a free consultation for your home with our experts. Email to info at prc-tec.com. Visit somavedic.ae. Somavedic. Feel better. Live better. Talk Wellness with Anja. I want to take a moment to thank you from the bottom of my heart for listening to this episode. And I'd like to remind you that the perspectives that we shared on this show are of my guest and myself only. And you should evaluate if it works for you before making it yours. Always consult your own doctor, therapist and healer before you make any drastic life changes. And we would love it if you could share this podcast link with your friends, your family, your circles and talk about it. That's why we call this series Talk Wellness. We need your support to get the conversation around well-being 
to be a more prominent one. I would love to connect with you across social media. Look for Meditate with Anjan on Instagram, Facebook and YouTube. And also, please leave a review. This will help us grow. Our next episode is episode 22 featuring the integrative nutritionist and certified health coach, Daniela Nistor. And she is going to be busting some myths around grocery shopping. Thank you once again for your listening and for your love. Stay relaxed. Namaste. Talk Wellness with Anjan.